1: Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
2: Welcome to The World in 10, the Times of London's daily update on the biggest stories around the globe. I'm Rebecca Myers.
1: And I'm Laura Cook. Today, we'll be hearing about the search for victims of a doomsday cult in Kenya – the new boss at Twitter and the latest from the border with Mexico. We start today in Kenya with the latest on a deadly hunger cult. Matthew Campbell is the foreign features editor of the Sunday Times and tells us where this story began for him.
0: For several days, the press in Africa has been awash with stories about an evangelist doomsday cult whose members starve themselves to death in a forest. So last week, I flew to Kenya's east coast to investigate. Strange evangelist churches have proliferated in Africa over the past two decades. Also fantastically rich preachers in Nigeria... There are some who are said to fly around in their own private jets. Uh, Kenya's Paul McKenzie founded the Good News International Church years ago, back in 2003, and first came to the attention of authorities when he started forbidding his followers uh, from sending their children to school or to hospital when they are ill. In 2019, he led his devotees into the Shakahola Forest and told them the end of the world was coming in April this year. He's accused of ordering them to starve themselves to death so that they could go straight to heaven ahead of the apocalypse.
2: One man that Matthew spoke to rescued his wife and children earlier this year and is helping police with the investigation.
0: The mass suicide was planned in phases with the children being chosen as the first to die. And according to him, many of these were shut in huts for five days After which they were wrapped in blankets and buried, even if they were still breathing. Some of the exhumed had their hands tied together with wire, suggesting they may have rebelled.
1: Now, the leader of the church, Paul Mackenzie, was detained by police following a tip off. Pastor McKenzie there being escorted out of a police station. What you can't see in that video, you can hear the audio, though. He's seen lifting his hand and saying in Swahili, praise Jesus. Now, he denies having forced anyone to starve. So, the big question is what happens now? Kenya's Interior Cabinet Secretary, Kithuri Kandiki, says more is coming.
0: I am afraid that we have many more graves in this forest, and therefore it leads us to conclude that this was a highly organized crime. I want to assure the country that the government of Kenya will do whatever, whatever it takes to unravel this organized criminal activity.
2: Just this week, a Kenyan court extended Paul Mackenzie's detention. But this story is far from over. Travelling to the cult's former headquarters in Melinda, Matthew met one of the pastor's sons, Michael Paul Mackenzie, and was struck by what he said.
0: He said his father had been much misunderstood and if his followers had starved themselves to death, it was their fault. They made their choice, he said, the children too. But then he casually said that he was probably going to begin starving himself to death next month. The end is near, he said, and he pulled out his mobile phone saying this is the evil thing. Everyone's putting their faith in technology, not God.
1: You can read all of Matthew's article online now. It might be the toughest job in Silicon Valley. Elon Musk announced this week that he was appointing a new CEO to run Twitter. The enigmatic billionaire has been CEO himself since he bought the company last year, but now he's handed over the reins to a woman called Linda Yaccarino.
3: It's widely known that in the morning you run SpaceX, in the wow. afternoon you head to Tesla, and in the evening it's Twitter time. And many of you in this room know me and you know I pride myself on my work ethic, but buddy, I met my match.
2: That's former NBC Universal advertising chief Linda Yaccarino interviewing her boss to be Elon Musk at a marketing conference just three weeks ago. She's arriving at Twitter to try to study a very rocky ship. It's estimated that the advertising sales have dropped 50%, worth about $2 billion, in the past seven months alone.
1: So who exactly is the woman with the most high-profile new job in tech? The Sunday Times West Coast correspondent, Danny Fortson, has done a brilliant piece on her and spoke to Sir Martin Sorrell of S4 Capital,
2: who said Musk couldn't have found anyone better. Yes, she's a prominent, well-respected figure in the ad industry and apparently is known as the velvet hammer for her negotiating style. And Brian Weiser, an ad expert, told Danny that Linda's brand is so strong, her personal brand, that if she can project confidence, she could recoup all those losses we've spoken about.
1: Oh, big chances, big hopes for her. She'll start in the next few weeks, so
2: we'll all watch this space. Remember telling you on Thursday about the upcoming end of Title 42, the Trump-era restrictions brought in during the pandemic, which allowed the government to expel migrants before they could apply for asylum. Since the restrictions expired, US border officials say nearly 60,000 people have been gathering near the border with Mexico.
1: Now, you'll see some remarkable pictures on The Times' website of desperate attempts people made to reach America in those final hours, swimming across the Rio Grande in Texas with children or trekking through the Arizona desert. Now, the law has now reverted to Title Eight where anyone caught crossing illegally will be deemed ineligible for asylum and could face a five-year ban on re-entry and criminal prosecution. Now, warnings by the authorities state the border is not open and Homeland Security have 24,000 border patrol agents and officers stationed on the southwestern border.
2: Now one of the biggest stories in sport right now is the potential sale of Manchester United and that deal does appear to be nearing completion so do keep an eye out for breaking news but today we're going to take a slightly different look at Manchester United about the women's team.
1: Now rewind five years and Manchester United didn't actually even have a women's team but they saw the hype around women's soccer and realised that needed to change so they set one up.
2: So they're now actually at the top of the league and tomorrow they're going to play in the FA Cup final. So how on earth did they go from literally non-existent to one of the best women's teams in the world?
3: Times reporter Molly Hudson investigated. There was a significant amount of sort of drama, I suppose, when when they came into the Women's Championship as a professional team in what then was almost entirely a, a semi professional division, amateur football, where players were were going to work and doing their day jobs and then on a on a Saturday or a Sunday they'd we played this Manchester United team of, of full-time professionals, many of which were, were internationals. Their first game, they they won 12-0 against Aston Villa. A lot of people at Manchester United were very aware that they didn't have that experience, that knowledge of women's football, really. It was just something that they had an academy and they just never had a senior team or professional teams. It was really interesting to hear about how they very much left those opening years almost to Casey Stoney, the manager, who obviously has 130 caps for england so is a huge experienced figure in women's football she'd been at teams like charlton which which had gone bust while she was a player so she would very much experienced the highs and lows of women's football and really what you needed as a player to thrive and i think that's certainly what she brought in those early years
2: and finally over to our trendsetter in chief here laura tell our listeners what you bought for yourself the other day well leg warmers they're (laughs) making a
1: comeback the good old-fashioned knitted saggy footless sock is having a revival and honestly literally 24 hours ago before this news in the times today not knowing this i ordered two pairs online and they've actually arrived at home i got a text while putting this (laughs) podcast together
2: (laughs) so you're now miles ahead of the curve because leg warmers are back jane fonda eat your heart out And not a moment too soon here in the UK because we are having a very, very chilly spring. Now, at the Chanel show in Los Angeles on Tuesday, nearly every
1: model wore a pair of leg warmers, from the sequin-studded to the pinstriped. They will be available to buy from November. They'll have a hefty price tag; some of them over seven hundred pounds. But Ooh. you've heard it here first. You can get them for under a tenner online.
2: And you bought these without watching the Chanel show. Without I'm, watching, I'm led to believe. Totally. I'm a trendsetter. This it's is official. amazing. This is, we're going to have to do a fashion section going forward. <laughs> Anyway that's all from us today but we have a look ahead at tomorrow's episode for
0: you the world's first major canal system was was just uh, was was built to bring water into Nineveh in in, in the eighth century BC amazing and, and that's an amazing thing which is currently being excavated and has they've discovered amazing freezers along the side of that so this idea of a cultural continuity that Isis couldn't um, destroy I think is going to be a very um, important message, if you like, for for the people of Mosul.
1: That's a preview of Richard Spencer's article surrounding museum artefacts destroyed by ISIS in Mosul. And don't forget, if you've enjoyed the journalism you heard on this podcast, you can take out a digital subscription to The Times of London.